Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringers committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers show. I am Chris Ryan, joined as always by Raheem Palmer. Raheem, what's up, man? Life is good. I mean, we got another Sixers win. I mean, we absolutely rolling right now. I mean, like, I don't know if you could ask for more as a Sixers fan right now. I mean, we've won six in a row, seven out of the last 10. I mean, we just doing everything that we need to do right now. So honestly, since 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 the turn of the year, I've just been floating. I can't believe this is life. Like this is the LeBron meme where he's standing standing in the pool, staring up the sun, being like, "I can't believe this is how it feels." We just keep running off these win streaks, and the Sixers now win the season series with Cleveland. They they take that one. They are now third in the Eastern Conference. Boston, I think, is playing right now or was just wrapping up their Minnesota game. But the Sixers are a couple games behind Boston in the Eastern Conference. They currently have uh, the third best net rating, the third best offense, the eighth best defense. That's six in a row on a night where they just did not actually have their best stuff. I think that even that team would admit that. It was kind of a a stop-start, very whistle-heavy game. The whistle wound up determining the entire the entire result, I think we could say, and we can get into that that big Embiid call reversal. But Raheem, yeah, man, you get to the end of a game like this. Is your takeaway more individual or team-based? Like, are you looking at that being like yet another notch for Embiid in the MVP argument? Clearly going out there, getting getting his, what what did he have? He had uh, um, 36, 36 and, <laughs> and four blocks. And four blocks. And that was the thing, man. I got to say, there was a, points in the game where I was like, the Sixers are phoning it in except for they are getting Embiid his numbers. You know, it was so interesting because the way they came out to start the game, I was just like, oh, yeah, um, this is just going to be an easy blowout for the Sixers. Um, and it was just like they it felt like they dominated that first quarter. The first quarter but, for sure. Yeah. But even with them dominating, they had like eight turnovers in the first quarter. 
And it was just like, all right, if you guys can just stop turning the ball over, this is an easy night for us. Um, and then obviously we know what happened in the second quarter. They, they continued to turn the ball over. They continued to play sloppy. Um, and Cleveland got it going on offense. And, and you know, defensively, we just were such a mess, like, on a perimeter that it was just like, all right, Levert's just having, like, a career night, you know. And, I mean, eventually we slowed him down. But it was, like, very, it was very frustrating to watch in that first half. Yeah, I mean, there was, there's definitely some stuff I want to talk about in terms of the Sixers being able to defend on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. The Cavs are a really interesting matchup for them because not only do they have the interior defense, so this is a strange game too because Sixers had no McDaniels, Cavs had no Allen, so it wasn't exactly, neither team was at full strength. Um, but I think Mobley and Embiid was a great matchup to watch all night if you're a fan of of just watching these two monsters of the paint kind of kind of check each other out and figure out how to get each other into foul trouble and speaking of foul trouble as the game went on Embiid who was playing like absolute god level defense towards the end of the game starts to get some fouls he gets his fifth Sixers come down the floor about four minutes left Embiid's got the ball I don't know like like around the foul line area and he throws honestly he throws an elbow into Mobley's chest it wasn't like out of the ordinary, but it was contact. Mobley goes flying backwards. Foul call on Embiid. That's it. And it it's like the huge momentum swing for the Cavs because now they get to play crunch time with an Embiid-free Sixers. And then they Doc Doc does the finger wave and is like, let's let's review that. They go to commercial. Doris is like, no way. Doris and Ryan Roka were like, there's no way they were overturning this, but good, good for them for challenging it. They come back. They turn. They 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 reverse the call. The Cavs never got back into this game. Honestly, like I think that they were compl- like Bickerstaff spent the rest of the game screaming at the ref, and Beads crack it up as he's coming back on the floor, and the Sixers kind of walked away with it. Yeah, I mean it was so interesting too because. You know, that that call was huge in, in many ways because not only did, you know, it keep Joel and B in the game, we got the bucket. And, you know, I, I don't know. even think ESPN realized that we got the bucket because, you know, it was 108, 101, and they left 108, 101 on the scoreboard for about four or five possessions. Almost. They stopped so, the game to add, to put the points back on. And it was like while Bickerstaff was still screaming at the ref, they were like, oh, by the way, you're actually down two more than you thought. <laughs> and he was just like, FML, man, like, what am I doing here? Yeah, it, it just, I mean, honestly, I wish the NBA would add, like, I mean, I know it's March Madness right now. I wish the NBA would add a flop warning to the NBA. I mean, just because it's just like, to me, it was obvious that Mobley flopped. I know, you know, MB uses elbow, but you don't want to see stuff like that called. I mean, with the game on the line, you want to see the best players decide it. You don't want to see guys flopping. So I, I, I appreciate the NBA for making the right decision at that point in time. I think, you know, maybe... MB being an MVP race right now um, yeah. has a lot to do with that. Of course, I mean at some point you do. Do you think get the Adam Silver call. ringtone <laughs> rang out? <laughs> yeah, I think Adam, Adam Silver made the call. I think you got the Vince McMahon thing going, where it's just like you got you got a guy rolling right now. You're not gonna. You, you're we're gonna, not, not fouling out the, one of the MVP favorites with five minutes to go on national television, East Coast primetime, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, especially not on that call. You just, just not happening. I mean, it, it, I think that if I was a Cleveland fan, I'd be pretty, pretty furious. I what would now? I I will say there were some rinky dink calls on both sides. It was a quick whistle tonight. A lot of foul shots. But look, like you're gonna have to play all sorts of games in the playoffs, and that was what I liked about this was that 
another this is another example of the Sixers being able to get a victory out of not necessarily a defeat. Like you said, they came out, they looked great in the first quarter. I'm not trying to make it sound like they just turned it, they flipped the switch. But this does lead me to a, a topic I really wanted to talk to you about. And we haven't really had a chance to like crunch numbers, crunch numbers after this game. So the Sixers came out in the second, second half and they outscored the Cavs 63-49. And in a vacuum, that's that's impressive. But I don't know about you, but I've noticed that this is like a new characteristic and like a little bit of an identity for this team is that they have like these really, really, really nice second halves, especially fourth quarters where against Milwaukee, against Portland, um, you know, against against this Cleveland team tonight. I feel like they have these great late game surges, which is it's not something I didn't really I, I don't really think I associated that kind of attitude and that kind of resiliency with this team before. Yeah, I mean, even like, even if you look at the the, the Celtics game where we kind of melted down in the third quarter. Yeah, that's a great we call. We were down 10 in the fourth quarter and we made a run and actually took the lead. So, I mean, I think we're seeing a level of resilience that I haven't seen in the entire MB era. Like, I mean, I've just, I just haven't seen it. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, like, I mean, for the second half for the Sixers, like since January 1st, I think we're what are we? We're fifth in net rating in the second in the second half. So it's just like I mean we have an offensive rating of like one twenty two, um, defensive rating of one eighteen. So um, it, it it's clear that we're we're playing better in the second half. Is, yeah, is that I mean we, that's the thing that like I always you know you always think about third quarter warriors and how like they would come out of the locker room and they'd be down like eight and then all of a sudden they'd be up sixteen. Um, that kind of mm-hmm. That kind of identity is is like to me championship material. Now I'm not saying that about the Sixers, but I am saying that like this is a team that in the years past you'd be like, oh they don't have it tonight, or they blew that lead, and Doc doesn't know how to guard a lead. And so for some reason, I just go into every game now pretty much, and I'm just like, I think they're gonna win. And even yeah. if they're down nine, or if they're down eleven, or if they're d- whatever, I'm just like, man, w- w- like it's the fourth quarter that matters. I'll be, I'll be you know, honest, even tonight, I was just like, wait till the fourth quarter. You know, so interesting. I actually pulled up the numbers for the whole season. In the fourth quarter for the whole season, we're second in net rating at 8.4 for the I, for the whole season for the fourth quarter. And then for the for the second half for the entire year, I think we are we also I think we're third. So there's something to that, you know, observation. That's the old eye test. Going forward. <laughs> um, what else did you see from this game on the Sixers side? I mean, obviously Embiid was a monster. Uh, he had a couple of plays that are like, this is why this guy's a generational talent. The double, there was the one thing where he basically like disrupted Osmond's layup and then blocked Mobley's shot on the second jump, like all in like one, like two seconds. And you're just like, this guy like you said before, is probably the greatest sixer you've ever cheered for. Yeah, I mean, there was a play in the first half, and you could you could see that they were doubling Joel Embiid. Um, it was right before the end of the half, and they doubles him, and it's just like, he's not even handling the double team well, and he still finds a way to like kind of muscle through it and score. And it just was like one of the most incredible plays of, of the night for me. Um, and I, I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, you know, we were kind of in the midst of, you know, Cleveland was in the midst of a run, so we were trying to like, you know, hold serve. And, 
you know, I think Joe, it was like, at one point it was like 50, it was 55, 54 or something like that. And, you know, that was, that was the point to where it's just like, okay, Joel is not going to let us lose tonight. And I felt that at that point in time, even before, you know, anything else happened in the third quarter. Another really like, if you could be quiet, a quiet 28 and 12 for Harden, uh, just, just kind of cruising along, played 40 minutes, nine for 12 from the free throw line, just kind of making sure everything moved accordingly. He was sort of in an existential battle with Cleveland's wings to see who could get under the other person's feet more when they were coming down for three pointers. (laughs) And that was kind of weird. I felt like he was both getting some bad calls, but also you get to the end of night. You're like, how this dude just, just put up 28. And we spent a lot of time in January really sweating Daryl Maury about like, who are you going to add for depth? Who are you going to add on the bench? Did you get enough back for Thibault? Should you have traded Thibault? All these questions about like, Oh, we, we're not reloading. And then you look around in the buyout market and this guy's going here. Reggie Jackson went to Denver. And what about, what about this? And then you get to the end of the year and you're like, man, it's pretty cool having like three awesome players yeah. <laughs> every night. And it really is obvious that that's, what's going to make the difference is whether or not Harden and Embiid are playing like this. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I was I was watching the Bucks last night, and it was just like, all right, this Bucks team is scary, and it almost feels like we're gonna need Joel and Harden to be Shaq and Kobe. But it's like the one thing I'll say about Harden this year, it feels like he he makes every single timely three. You know, we were down, it was ninety six ninety five with seven minutes and fifty one seconds to go, and Harden makes the step back three, and. From there, we had to leave for the rest of the game. And it just feels like every single moment that you need Harden to make one of those timely threes or timely baskets or timely assists, he's done it this year. And I like I don't know if you could ask for more from what we've gotten from Harden. And I think we've, if we get that in the playoffs, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, so, I mean, Maxi with another nice game. Uh, he ends with 23. And then we didn't really get much from... Harris, basically nothing from Tucker. He had five points, six boards. Tobias was two for seven tonight, seven points. Never, I, and, and there were like long stretches where I was like, oh yeah, Tobias is out there. You know, like I just really not noticing him. It was a very big three oriented night. Is that? Yeah, I think the, uh, the one time I noticed him was when he got the tech. <laughs> yeah, like he was like really frustrated because I mean, he clearly got fouled. But yeah, it was just that was like, his, to, that was his first tech of the year. Yeah. I, I feel like. Tobias hasn't been himself lately. Do you think like, that that has to do with the reemergence of Maxi? Um, I'm wondering if he's a little banged up. Mm. Like, if you look at, you know, what he's done since the Milwaukee game, and he actually got hurt in that game, we had to close with um with Jaden, versus what he's done before. I'm seeing a different player. Yeah, he's it's ten points, eight points, eleven points, seven points, and he's and he's shooting thirty percent from the field. And he's playing around 30. Yeah. I mean, like the, in two games where he played like 25 minutes, 
Uh, yeah, so it's not exactly, it's not exactly the same guy that we're used to for sure. Yeah. I just get the sense that he's playing through an injury and I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, we talk a lot about how we want to keep Joel and B healthy. We want to keep James Harden healthy. Um, well, Tobias is our best win. Um, and we're going to need him for the playoffs. So I think at some point, you know, maybe play, you know, maybe rest Tobias at at times, you know, see what we have with Jaden because we're going to need him too. So, um, he's clearly not the same guy though. Yeah, McDaniel's hurt tonight. Uh, not much from De- DeAndre Melton, DeAnthony Melton, who had uh, no points. And then we got a, a big boost from Niang, honestly. Some mm-hmm. some really timely threes. It's kind of interesting that he has become Doc's go-to, like, bench offensive, like, fi- like Vinnie Johnson guy. Like, it, it's, you know, him and Milton, but mostly Niang. Yeah, I mean, and, and Milton was huge tonight, too. I mean, Milton had 11 points. I mean, he had some timely baskets, timely threes. I mean, he was three for three from behind the arc. So um, this team is deeper than, you know, what we, a lot of people thought they would be. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the balance of Harden and Maxi and, like, just, like, that kind of playmaking that we need, whether it's getting into the paint or getting penetration or be able to score from the perimeter, but also setting up the other guys, because you can tell there's just a marked difference when... It's like the Embiid on numbers are probably more significant, but I feel like the Harden on-off numbers have more of an impact on the other guys. Interesting. Um, elaborate that on, on Well, that okay, so I, without looking at, like, Harden's on-off numbers, I feel yeah. like we don't really have anyone in his zip code of like competent offense running, you know, where it's like, yeah, don't worry. I will reset. Don't worry. I know how to throw an, an entry pass to MB. Don't worry. I will make that drive and kick and find the, the right guy. Sadly, sometimes he, he seems to overly find PJ Tucker in the corner, but that's a story for another day. I just think that like, he has like a mastery of like the offense that doc is running, which mm-hmm. is essentially like the hardened offense, but with a God level center, on it that I just think that like no one else in this team really has right now. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm, you know, Maxi, I mean, I think he's made strides in terms of his playmaking, but I mean, he's, he's not there yet. Um, I think we saw that earlier in the year and, and now he doesn't have to be that. I mean, because Harden's out there. So I, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, you know, James Harden has been one of the best p- playmaking guards in the league since, I mean, he's, he's, he's become a starter. So, yeah. Um, there's no way to replace what he brings to the table at all. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that sometimes I'm like, oh, man, it would be cool to have the the George Hill type dude out there. But mm-hmm. honestly, like the way this team is constructed and the way this team has been playing, it seems like it's it's really hard to criticize. It's really hard to nitpick. Yeah, I mean, I think if there's the only thing that you can nitpick that I wish this team had was I just wish we had more wings. Um, now, not everybody can be the Celtics. Not everybody can be the Clippers. But that's the one thing that I wish, or I mean, not everybody can be the the Brooklyn Nets at this point. I, yeah. That's the one thing I wish we had. I, I think that's the thing that's that's the only thing holding us back right now. And that's like anything. when you when you look at the bench and you see Deadman and Harrell down there at the other end, you're just kind of like, man, that that would have been nice to have have a wing somewhere there. Yeah, I mean, but that's also like the hardest position to find. Like everybody needs wings. So it's just like, it's not like they grow on trees. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about this Cavs team uh, because we, you know, one of the kind of cool things about doing this podcast is that 
you kind of get to view the league through the prism of them playing the Sixers, but we don't often spend a lot of time other than like kind of like bagging on the heat or whatever. We don't spend a lot of time talking about these other teams. I've been very, very interested in this Cavs team. They're obviously maybe a year ahead of schedule. And it's just been fascinating to like watch Mobley uh, do this late season push because I think some people were like selling Mobley stock early in -hmm. the season when it didn't seem like his offense was taking another step. But now you're seeing like the dudes, dudes losing it and calling him Tim Duncan too out there. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the Cavs. I mean, in all likelihood, if the season ended today or if the, you know, the seedings stay as they are, I don't think the Sixers will play the Cavs in the playoffs. Um, but I thought it would be useful to talk about like some of the problems that the Cavs present the Sixers. So okay. let's talk a little bit about what you saw with Mobley and Embiid tonight because I, I loved it because Embiid is obviously, he's this incredible combination of brute strength and delicate touch, right? Like he's this ballerina at 7-2 who can hit fadeaway Dirk jumpers and threes and go up and under. But then Mobley, who's this lean kind of like very efficient player. I, you know, it's hard to knock him, even though Embiid took him out tonight. Like I thought Mobley had a decent game. Yeah, I think Mobley had a decent game, but you know, every time I watch the Cavs versus the Sixers, I always leave thinking that as good as Mobley is, him and Allen are just over, like, I mean, Embiid is just over, like he overmatches them. Like, yeah. And I, I just, they're just not, big enough and they just don't have the force and they just don't have it to be able to defend and beat. And I leave like, so like I gave like on my I went on a radio show today and I gave out the Sixers today, minus two and a half. I put it into the action app. I just felt like the Sixers to me, this is a matchup that I like. Um, just because I just don't think they have an answer for MB at all. Um, and you know, Mobley is solid. He's a great defensive player, but I just think Embiid's size just presents a huge problem. It was kind of awesome to see. I, I don't know how many times it happened, but if, it was definitely more than once or twice where Mobley broke up, or sorry, Embiid broke up the alley-oops that the Cavs were trying to get where they would try to get Embiid away from the rim and then roll Mobley or whoever to the to the rim hard and throw a little like lob to him and then Embiid would just knock it out of the sky because <laughs> I yeah. feel like that's become like one of the go to plays in the NBA is the is this sort of PNR and then just toss it up there for the big man to flush and mm-hmm. you just can't do that on Embiid. Yeah, I mean there was periods in the second quarter and you know the announce the announcers actually commented on it where it's just like guys got into the lane and you saw they just didn't want to shoot because Embiid is down there um or you know there was the play where. You know, Mobley tried to dunk it, and Embiid blocked it um, in the fourth quarter. Um, I think yeah. it was the one with we were up five, and Embiid just blocked the dunk, and then Harden goes down and gets the layup. So I, I just think, to me, it's just like as good as Cleveland's front line is, it's just it's neutralized against what we bring to the table. So the one bit of concern trolling that I had for this game is obviously Levert goes off. Mitchell looked like he was dealing with a hurt finger for most of the night. Garland had spurts. And what Cleveland does to you is Cleveland puts an incredible amount of pressure on that point of attack defender and that perimeter defense, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, like over this last 15 games, especially since, since maybe like the turn of the year, I, I can live with bad defense when we're putting up 122 and a half points a game. Uh, you know, yeah. like per 100 or whatever, like it's just th- this offense is so devastating that like 
I feel like they can get stops when they need to. Uh, but what did you think of the Sixers perimeter defense and what like tonight said about where we're at? I mean, I think, you know, for large stretches of this game, it was pretty awful. Uh, like it just wasn't enjoyable um, to watch. And it just felt like, you know, Levert got whatever he wanted. But I also felt like, you know, for large stretches of this game, um, Cleveland shot a little bit over their head. Mm. It, it just felt like they were kind of making everything like, you know, like Levert was just making, you know, threes off the dribble. And I, I just kind of I'm not expecting that all the time. I mean, you know, the Cavs are 12th and three point field goal percent, three point field goal percentage. But I, I just I didn't get didn't get the sense that, you know, we're going to see Levert making all these threes. Like I, I just like at the end of the first half, it was just like, what the hell? Um, but. You know, I think the thing that frustrated me more than the perimeter defense was kind of like the lack of hustle. There was there was a ton of offensive rebounds that the Cavs got. There was one, you know, right before the half where we're down one. And I think Niang might have tipped it. And then, you know, he tipped it um, right to the Cavs player. <laughs> yeah, to Osman. Yeah. And Osman hits a three. Um, you know, stuff like that was kind of frustrating. It, it seemed like they got a lot of second chance baskets. I think if we eliminate that and I think if we eliminate the turnovers, I think those are the things that, you know, concern me um, more than the perimeter defense, because it, it felt like our offense fed their offense for, you know, quite some time in this game. Would you want to play with a dude like Levert? Like as soon as he gets four points, it's just like between the legs for eight seconds at the top of the key. And you're just like, dude, Garland is standing right there. <laughs> I mean, not at all. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Levert is one of those guys who's like better in theory than yeah. he is in reality um and it's like you you see him in brooklyn and it's a young exciting team with no expectations um but then you see him in other places where there's expectations and there's better players around him and you 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 just don't like what he brings to the table despite all his talent yeah he's a he's a weird dude he's kind of like one of these cats who's got gotten a 50 point night on his resume and like so i'm always like oh lavert or oh sadiq bay or whoever and it's just like it's not. It just seems like he's not playing within a team offense. He either he either has it going that night and he's going to go for thirty, or he's going to get eight and probably get yanked in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I mean at the end of that day, at the end of the day, I think that's the thing that's going to ultimately hurt the Cavs. Um, I think they just do, they just need better wings. Like I mean, I we all love what Mobley brings to the table. We love Jared Allen. We love. Donovan Mitchell, we lo- love Garland, but I just think that that wing, what they what they bring at the wings right now just needs some work, and I think they're a wing away from truly making, um, being a, being a contender. <laughs> yeah, they feel they feel a year ahead of schedule, so they'll probably. I mean, if if the the season ended today, and and you know Boston won tonight, and the Bucks are are cruising, they've won their last two. So even though the Sixers are surging and and have Celtic the Celtics within touching distance, I feel like there's there's some obvious breathing room between the Sixers and the Cavs and then the Cavs and the Knicks. So things are starting to settle in the nets. Every time I think the nets are going to go into a free fall, they win three in a row. So right now you've got a a playoff situation where the Sixers play the nets in the first round. You've got a chance to see them since they've kind of stabilized uh, with this new all wings assortment of guys. Um, I like I have seen them and I think the one thing that's like, when I think of this this Nets team, it's like I feel like when I'm watching Mikel Bridges, I don't want to like I, I asked Bill this in one of our chats. I'm like, is Mikel gonna make like a, a Kawhi S leap 
and maybe Kawhi is a stretch, but I've Dude, never no. seen Macau Bridges like perform offensively the way he's doing in Brooklyn right now. This is the big thing, man. It's like how many dudes out there are just a usage rate away from being like 28 point a game players right now. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I just, I just didn't see it coming. Like it's honestly shocking. I love, we've always loved Cal Bridges. Obviously we wish he would be a sixer if it wasn't for Brett Brown and Elton Brand trading him away. But it was just like to see what he's become in Brooklyn. I mean, he's at 26 points a game on 50% shooting. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't think anybody could have predicted that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that there's obviously I, I don't it does not seem like Ben Simmons is going to play basketball again this year, but it's hard for me to believe that he would come back for a Sixers first round playoff series. I, I think that that Nets team is frisky. Like, I, I, I think that they could take a game or two off the Sixers. But, you know, that that's looking like what that first round matchup is going to be. And then uh, on the other hand, the Cavs would get the Knicks in the first round, and then they would they would get the winner of uh, Bucks versus the the play in winner or one of you know one of the play in teams to to come in eighth. Yeah, I think this would be the 2018 series. Um, I think Brooklyn actually beat us game one in that yeah, series. Yeah, that, that was the D'Angelo Russell. Spencer yeah, Dinwiddie, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, they beat us game one, and we got the backdoor sweep. So it, it would probably be reminiscent of that. Um, but I don't, I don't see, I don't see them beating us at all. <laughs> no, me neither. Is there anything else from the Cavs game that you want to hit before we get going? Um, I don't know if there's anything else. I, I just think, um, you know, that that third quarter where we had the 13-0 run. I mean, we were down. What, what were we down? Seventy to fifty-seven, and we just, I mean, reeled off fourteen straight points. That I mean, that said a lot about this team. So um, I want to give a kudos there because I was like ready to go on a rant because I was like really frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, these are the game. And you you heard the announcer saying it. it's just like, yo, these are the games to where you feel like, okay. We want to trust the Sixers. We're buying in, but then they put up a game like this, and then as soon as as soon as Dora said that, we go on a fourteen zero run. So um, I'm a believer, I think, man. I, yeah, I, I, I am a believer. I, I'm a believer, and you know this is a, this will be an interesting week because, like I said, Harden played forty tonight. Uh, you know, like Embiid played thirty eight. It wasn't. It, it was it was a pretty close game until the very end. But you look at this schedule coming up, and we've talked about this a bunch. So. Charlotte Friday, Indiana on the back-to-back, in Indy on Saturday, Sunday off, then they go Monday, Chicago, and Philly, and then they travel to Chicago on Wednesday uh, for for that, the second of the sort of home and home there. Then they go home, they get, a, they get that Thursday off, and then it's a bunch of amazing and nationally televised games in a row where it's Golden State on the 24th, Phoenix on the 25th, the Super Bowl in Denver on the 27th with Embiid versus <laughs> the Super Bowl. It basically is. The, what, that, it is. <laughs> and then two days later, they go uh, Dallas at home, Toronto at home, at Milwaukee, Boston at home, Miami at home, at Atlanta, and at Brooklyn. I mean, at this, this is, point, is you know the Nuggets versus the Sixers, is that like the NFC Championship game? And you know the Bucks versus the Sixers on April 2nd? That, it, that might be they, the Super Bowl. If they keep going at this clip and this conversation still doesn't go anywhere because it doesn't really feel like it is, I, I mean, all, all all respect to the NCAA tournament. I don't know if it's on that Monday. I think you don't they won't they be off on Monday night by that point? That's a Sunday actually. Matter, oh, matter of fact, that is a Monday. Um, that's a Monday on um it's against like the twenty fourth, right? Yeah, the twenty the twenty seventh. I think they might 27th. be off on that day. Yeah. So it's like 
I'm kind of surprised that they can't flex that off of MDTV. Maybe they have to have it there, but like that is going to be one of the most most watched regular season games of the season. If both oh, yeah, Embiid and Jokic play and they're still doing this and there's still yeah. people screaming at each other about this on first take, dude, I mean, like that that could literally decide the MVP. There are people who have said that said as much. Yeah, I always think back to, you know, when Russell Westbrook won the MVP um, and Russell hit the, the shot against Denver. It's like those late season matchups, they they matter uh, and what you do. So, you know, I think Bill has already said, like, you know, last week he said on Twitter, it's just like, yo, we got to see some more basketball. Um, and, you know, right now Giannis is playing out of his mind. Um, you know, I think the, the conversation has been mostly Jokic versus Embiid. I know. But. I, I think Meanwhile, Giannis is on race. the best is the best player on the best team and is killing everybody. I know. Yeah, like it's. I mean, they've won. Like, I mean, other than the time that we beat them, of course. Um, I think they've won what you know, sixteen. No, they've won eighteen out of the last twenty games. Um, and obviously, Giannis didn't play the, the game against the Warriors. So, uh, this is going. This is going to be fun. A couple weeks uh, because Embiid is showing no signs of slowing down. So we'll be uh, in and around. We'll do a pod next week. These are, these are some pretty sleepy games, and I hope the Sixers do just keep everything healthy. But expect a lot of podcasting once that Golden State, Phoenix, Denver run starts. So we'll be around a lot. Sheila will be around a lot. I got to go see if Cl- Cliff, you got to go wake Sheila up because Darius Slay is coming back. Slay is, Slay is coming back. We're potting tomorrow morning. Friday or Thursday morning about Darius Slay coming back to the birds. And also I just got word that Joel Embiid is now the MVP favorite on FanDuel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. What a time to be alive. Hang on. Let me got, let me get you guys the numbers real quick. I believe what I just saw on. The it's app. actually Embiid is minus one Oh five. Jokic yes. is plus one seventy. Yes. Yes. So there and we go. He, Giannis is actually plus 350. Um, you know, if you guys listen to the East Coast Bias podcast, Joe House, he said take Joe L and V plus 220. I actually said, you know, you should hedge that with some Giannis at plus 700. Uh, and, you know, right away, those numbers have moved. So that's so why you got to check out the East Coast Bias podcast. Myself, John Jaskrimski, Joe House. Um, we always kind of have a, that. It's a must listen. It's a must listen. Yeah. And if you if you listen to those guys, you would have made yourself a little bit of money on this Joel Embiid thing because I feel like I feel like the momentum is really rolling downhill right now. Thanks as always to Cliff Augustine for producing us, and uh, stay tuned for Sheila and Ben to get all your Darius Slay takes tomorrow. You know what's so Thanks. crazy? They, you guys got you guys got um, Bradbury back, and that was like you know last week. You know what? Looking like- I try not to ask you about Eagle stuff because I can't take it when you say you guys and you're on a Philly sports pod. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you I'm go sorry. cry more about Zeke, dude? <laughs> oh my God! But you know what though? It was like I was telling somebody like after the Eagles lost lost um Hargrave, I'm like the Eagles are gonna have to win with their offense because it was it was feeling like I mean you lose Gardner, you lose Hargrave. It felt like the Eagles were gonna lose Bradbury and Slay. It felt like all right, this team is just gonna win with their offense, and then Bradbury agrees to come back. Slay agrees is, is coming back, so. It looks like they're bringing most of this core back. So, And we got that uh, pick. We're going to get another Georgia dude in the draft. Watch out, man. We're, we're going right back for it. Yeah. I, like, honestly, the, e- the Eagles are going to probably win the NFC again. The NFC East again. <laughs> uh, Cliff, doesn't that sound great hearing that? <laughs> man, I love, to, I love to hear that. I love to hear a Cowboys fan. Yeah, but guess what? They got Gilmore and y'all signed Vander Esch back. And looks like Zeke is going to be mean, out. Van, Vander Esch can't stay healthy. 
Like, I love him, but it's just like at the end of the day, it's like if you can't stay on the field, then what does it matter? I do like the Gilmore edition, I think, but it's just, I mean, he has like a pro football focus grade of like 81, but I always wonder, you know, is he really, is he washed at this point? Um, He's going to have to really be the guy because, I mean, Diggs, he gets his interceptions, but he's not really the cornerback that you want, you know, really Cliff, Art man, did you have a mute button or something? What are you doing to say, in this, dude? Bro, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get killed on, I'm gonna get killed on Twitter for like this was Cowboys talk on a Just Philly pod. Cowboys. Like, the crazy thing is, I've said us. all, I said all positive stuff about the Eagles, and I've said negative stuff about the Cowboys. But so you go, you, I can't handle it when you're like, you guys got Darius. I'm about Slayman. to say, there's not one Philadelphia that hate that will positively talk about the Cowboys. We all hate the Cowboys. It's in our blood. It's in and our. You're game. in Philly. We <laughs> green. You're the only one who's recording in Philly right now. That's the craziest part. <laughs> that is like, that is crazy. Like, that is me, crazy. Me and Chris not even in Philly right at the moment right now, and you're the only one in Philly <laughs> with a Philly's jersey <laughs> background talking about the Cowboys. Like that's that's insane to me, man. That's I'm crazy. sorry. It's crazy. I, I wish I had became an Eagles fan. I just I just did. And Cliff, it's it would honestly right be be a hilarious bit if you just bleeped out Raheem his whole thing about the Cowboys <laughs> and it was like what a Raheem say? Yeah, yeah, I mean honestly you can cut this out. You can cut this part out. No, no, no. We are no, keeping this. We keep definitely. This yeah, we keeping this in here. But maybe you should just play like like sad trumpet music in the background <laughs> like, <laughs> like I got to find it. I got to find the sad music. We were produced as always by Cliff Augustine. Stay tuned for Ben and Shield tomorrow. Thanks for listening to us on a late night with the Cavs going down to the Sixers. It's all happening. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>